Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Langley Florist, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, myself, Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 321, the season finale, the last match that we're going to be covering this season. So thanks to everyone who's tuned into last week's show, and indeed, for all the episodes and shows that we've put out this season. I really appreciate your time. Uh, and for joining us this week, we've got a week's worth of news uh, to bring you up to speed on, just in case you might have missed something. But right now on the line is our championship winning manager waiting to speak to us. So without further ado, as always, we start with a word from our sponsors. OK, so Carol Andy Flores, an established based business based in Chinkford, specialising in bespoke flowers, sourced from the finest growers in the world. They can do anything from a simple thank you to a tailored wedding or event package. They can help you. And the best part is they are for all O's fans and staff a whopping 15% off that could save you a huge amount of money for whatever you need. So to get in touch with John and their fantastic team of florists, give them a call 0208 529 4130 or you can contact the guys via social media at Carol Langley 4 or Essex Biz on Twitter. You can also find the team on Instagram at Carol Langley Florist or you can find the guys at Facebook at Carol Langley Florist. So, as I mentioned in the uh, intro, we are delighted to be joined by Championship Manager, Championship Winning Manager, I beg your pardon, hopefully Championship Manager in waiting, Richie Wellens. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Richie. Very grateful to you for giving up your Sunday evening to have a chat with us. Just thought was we'd start with, with earlier today, your thoughts on the Bradford game? I thought it was a decent performance because it's considering we've got not much to play for and obviously it was a big game for Bradford. I thought we started the game up well, apart from allowing a few easy balls, crosses in, into our box, and they created a couple of chances. Dominated the ball, looked look good, just maybe lacked a little bit of a threat in the final third. But, um, you know, we got the goal, and it's disappointing not to hold on to the lead for a little bit longer, because I think if we would have got to half-time one a look, we could have frustrated them even more. But you have to take you have, you have to give play. Uh, Bradford a little bit of credit because they stuck in there, they got back into the game and then they managed it really well, they didn't ever want to open up and, and try and commit too many bodies forwards because on the counter-attack we, we was a threat And now the season's over Richie, what are your what are your thoughts on it when you sit back now and reflect on it, what, what are your thoughts when you're looking back? I think it's been an unbelievable season um, in terms of when you rewind 10 months ago, we asked the supporters to come on a journey with us. I think they've done that. I think it's been a fantastic journey. One that myself, the staff and all the players um, will obviously remember for the rest of our careers. Um, we've achieved everything we want to achieve. Although, to be fair, there was a point probably eight, nine games ago where I thought, let's try and get 100 points. But you look at the likes of Plymouth and who've got 101 points they've been pushed really really hard by by Sheffield Wednesday and by Ipswich and we've not really been pushed we've, we've won it at a cancer and I think if anybody would have pushed us then we had another gear to go into Amazing what's been the hardest part of this season for you? The last two weeks motivating motivating <laughs> a team that have already achieved everything they wanted to achieve and trying to pick them up and go again we've had the promotion even at Gillingham the title winning game against Crew, and then we asked them to go again at Mansfield which he did we asked them to go again at Stockport which was tough and then obviously again today we've been we've been so intense in our training in the way that we've played all season and then we just the Stockport game was probably one one game too many we needed that break um, 
maybe a little bit in January when we got them three suspensions, sorry, three injuries to the centre-halves on the, on the same day. Um, but apart from that, if you look at a, a standard season, it's, it's, it's run really smooth. We've lost seven games. OK, we lost at home to Stockport. I think there's valid excuses for that. Um, we lost at away at Gillingham. I thought our performance was outstanding. We went down to we had 10 men. Stevenage away was the only defeat where I think this year we deserved to get beat. Um, Northampton away, Tranmere away. I think we was OK in the game, deserved to draw. So um, I know people got a bit panicky when we, we drew them four games on the bounce. But yeah. Them points, as long as you win your next couple after them points, they, they all mount up, so I was, I was quite comfortable with them. So, no, not many not many major things throughout the season. Like I say, probably that Northampton game was a little bit of a worry. It changed our thinking in January. You spoke about the defeats there, Richie, this season. On the flip side of that, was there a standout game for you? <coughs> no, I think the Grimsby one is an important one because we've not got our squad together the first game of the season. We get off to a win. And all of a sudden, you know, you get that little bit of confidence. Um, I would say that Stockport was a big win. But for me, the biggest goal of the season, the biggest win of the season, was when we beat Wimbledon at home. And Monk, and Monk's cut in and scored with his right foot. I think that was a really big turning point for us because we had a little bit of a blip. And at home, back on back on our, our turf, we, we know that our home record was really, really good. It was important that day to get three points. And I think that got us up a... Back on the back on the bike, so to speak, and, and got us in another good run. So that, that for me, that was a real big moment in the season. In your mind, um, when did you think or feel that promotion was going to happen? Was there a particular point, or was it? I mean, obviously, you think ahead. I guess like everybody else, I know Martin uh, sort of think think and Kent. I think looking blocks of ten. But was there a particular moment or, or, or a point where you thought actually, do you know what, we we're going to get promoted? Never mind being champions, but just being promoted. Swindon away. I looked at our team and I thought, you know what, we're a really, really good team. We're levels above some of the opposition that we're playing against. We'd won our first four or five and then we drew that game that night, but that was our best performance. We looked fluid. We started to see a lot of things that we was working on the training ground and that was, I think it was an evening game and that was one of the evenings where we thought, you know what, we've got a right chance. And then we knew, when you, when you get 28 points in your first 10 games, you know that the points per game that you need for the remaining 36, you know, I knew that I needed to manage plays for the next 26 games. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be win losses and draws. But the likes of Paul Smith, the likes of El Mazzuni, the likes of, I needed to manage their minutes because I knew that with the start we had, the 10 games, the last 10 games are going to be really, really important. So I think in that time we, we, we brought Paul's, I mean, I remember a couple of times where we were winning 1 0 at home and it was tight. And Paul Smith was the best player on the pitch and I subbed him off with 20 minutes ago and some of the supporters like, what's going on? Because I, I always try and look at the bigger picture. Okay, sometimes it might come back to haunt you a little bit because you might come unstuck. But we knew that Paul Smith was a big player for us and he's probably played more games this year than he has in any other seasons of his career. And we've done that with probably five or six players. So I think this year we've used the squad really well and because we've got good lads, good professionals and good players in every position, it's been easy to to obviously enable us to use a squad a lot more than what we would do if if we didn't have such good lads. You've mentioned some big players there, uh, Richie, in your last answer. Um, and recently you named Idris Elmazuni as your manager's player of the year and there were many contenders for that. So I guess why did, why did you select Idris as your player of the year? Well, 
in, in the first half of the season, it could have been a number of people. The back four was tremendous. Lawrence was tremendous. The amount of clean sheets that we had. Um, and Paul Smith was unplayable at times. But I'm a big believer that when... You know, when the going gets really tough, who's going to step up? And we had that little bit of rocky spell in January. You know, and we lost Paul Smith, was out injured. Dan Hatt was, was missing for the rest of the season. And Idris was the one that stepped up. He um, he, he got sent off against Stevenage. And then we give him a little break to go back to Paris. And then he come back, he scored a few goals. His form was really good. And he's, he does a little bit of everything in midfield. He's not an out-and-out holding midfield player. He's not a 10 He's not an eight, but he can just do everything. He's really good at getting the ball back. He's really he's got you know mm-hmm. long legs. Even though he's not tall, he's got long legs. He can poke things. He can nick things. He can steal the ball back. He's he's got a decent passing range. He needs to st- continue to work on his angles and the way that he receives the ball to open the game up. But he's a good passer. He's a good dribbler. So he's got so many facets to his game that he's really really good at. I just thought he deserved it. I'd, I could have given it to three or four other players, but I just thought, you know, that spell where we needed people to step up. Idris had been such a young age in his first real season in terms of playing every week. I thought he really, really stepped up. What a nice headache to have. <laughs> no, but I mean, the midfield area this year has been, has been really, really strong. And and when we got to January, we, we was looking at a couple of midfield players, but we were, were quite expensive. We thought that if we got Jordan Lydon in, I know how good Jordan can be. We just it was a risk in terms of his injury injury record. But I knew that even though if he did get injured, if I could get four or five games out of him and rest Prattley and rest Idris for a couple of games, I knew that with 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 Craig Clay and Jordan Brown, I knew that we had enough to get over the line. Great stuff. Uh, the accolades weren't just for the players this season. You yourself have received some uh, several um, Manager of the Month awards. Does that impact you in any way, shape or form? As in adding pressure or adding extra weight to, to things to, to try and win it next month? Because there's often uh, a bit of a curse, the Manager of the Month uh, award, because typically it's linked to losing the next game. But, but that didn't seem to happen no. for us. No, I mean... Listen, it can be, um, it can pre- I mean, in the month of April, we got more points than anybody, yet Steve Evans wins the manager of the month. Maybe deserved because we've already got over the line and we've already won the league and he's under pressure to get them games. But I think it's all, you know, like, for example, this, this year, everybody will go manager of the year. But what makes Mikel Arteta do a better job than, let's say, De Zerbe, who's at a smaller club and is getting his team higher than where they should be so for me if I get 16 points in a month and John Askey gets 11 at Hartlepool why does why do I deserve it more than John Askey when it's more difficult for him to get to get points so I think it's all subjective to what club you're at Fair and in terms of next season now Richie I mean obviously today's literally the end of this season but I know Dave asked you a question today about contracts for next season can, can we just get a, an, an update on contracts next season or what the plan is for next season as it stands well at the moment we've got we've got um, meetings booked in for Wednesday so I'll have meetings with the players both some who are already in contract and then all of the out of contract players um, ideally I would like to, to keep the majority of this squad together because I think momentum and I think the team spirit that we've got is something that we shouldn't break, but also realising that we have to improve and we have to get better because we're stepping up a level. And when we step up a level next year, I don't want to be competing with the likes of of, of Burton, Stevenage, Northampton, 
um, Fleetwood. You know, you want to be trying getting better than them. You want to be trying getting. For me, next year the the league is probably three groups of eight. You look at the Derby, obviously stayed down. You look at Portsmouth, Charlton. The three clubs that are going to come down from the Championship will will have significant budgets to spend and you look at that top eight and that is difficult to break into because a lot of them are ex-Premier League clubs then you then you've, you've got the next eight and I think that we can compete in that next eight but it has to be realistic I would rather finish if you said to me next year we're going to finish 10th or 11th but we're going to be maxing out and we're going to change the way that we're going to play and every game is going to be a struggle but you're going to get enough points to, to finish 10th or 11th or you're going to finish 18th, but your identity continues in the same way and you can see the progression. I'd rather that happen because I know next year you're going to improve. Whereas you look at someone like, I watch Burton quite a lot. I don't just watch Burton, I watch quite a lot of League One football. Burton will just stay in the same positions every year because they just strive to be just above the relegation zone. The style of football never changes. They'll release 15, they'll get 15 in and they just do exactly the same every year. What I would rather do is not go away from the principles that we've set this year and obviously try and finish as high as possible but it's a continuing involvement of what where we need to be in terms of getting in and around the top eight top six to try and get in the playoffs it's, for me if you finish 10th or 19th next year it's irrelevant you, you haven't achieved anything you haven't won anything the long goal in the next two or three years has to be trying to get in the playoffs so how do we go about best in the next two or three years getting in that top six Brilliant. In, in some of the conversations, I, I guess, with with some of the players, you know, probably not within completely their control either, because they were loan players. Do you do you foresee trying to sort of tempt any uh, sort of parent clubs to part with any of the loan players that we've had permanently well, or back on loan? Yeah, I think we we need to respect that. The, obviously, there's no conversations been had yet because the clubs. You look at, for example, Bolton. We've sadly are, are still in the playoffs. Ipswich have only just won promotion last week. They were trying to go for the league title yesterday. So it'd be pretty naive of me to be making phone calls to managers that, with all due respect, have bigger things on their mind. So you respect that. You obviously have the conversations. Do I think Idris will play for Ipswich in the Championship next year with the ambitions and the size of club that Ipswich is? I played for Ipswich of a club. As a club, I know what the budget is this year and all their ambitions next year. I would imagine... It would be very, very difficult for Idris to stay at Ipswich, get enough game time to continue his development. So then Idris needs to make a decision and Ipswich needs to make a decision. How do they continue this upward curve that Idris is on? And if that's staying with us, then great. If it's not, then we obviously have to look elsewhere. Great answer. So we had a lot of questions um, from our listeners, Richie. We're going to start with some that we got on the forum. First one up was, would, would you rather have a player with 30% of the required skill but 70% effort, or 30% of the effort but 70% of the skill? Well, I think that's really, really difficult because when, when you, you're building into a squad of 18, 20 players and you're picking a team of 11, then that's where you need to balance it out. So... For every Darren Prattley, you need a Paul Smith. If you've got a team of Paul Smiths, then you're going to lose 10-0. If you've got a team of Darren Prattleys, then you're never going to score any goals. And this is where hmm. the dynamic of a team always fits in it. You know, you look at our midfield players at Prattley, Moncur and, and Idris Elmazuna, balance each other off really, really well. So the answer to your question is, what I would rather have overall, I would rather have rough diamonds with, with ability because the natural ability you, you, you you can't coach. They've got that ability and you can actually coach them to be 
in terms of game management, decision making, becoming a man from a boy. You look at Ed Turns, the way that we've developed him in the last four or five months. If you if you're working with a player that hasn't got any ability, then you're really, you know, limited in way in where you can go with that player. So you you look at our, our recruitment in the next four, five, six windows. I will never sign a player that has three, four hundred games at League Two level or, or League One level now. So we want people that maybe have got to move to a championship club, like a George Monker. Okay, Monk has done great at Barnes, he's done great at Luton, won promotions, got his move to the championship, he's not quite worked out at Hull, he didn't get enough game time. So therefore we feel that he's dropped down to a level where he's easily good enough, but now he's going back to a level in League One where I think it might even be easier for, Mon- for Monks next year because... You know, a lot of players in league one are good footballers themselves and they want to concentrate on, on their games. Whereas a lot of times this year, Monks had to come turn up to a football match with the opposition player just trying to stop George Monker from playing. Well, next year, I don't think it'll be the case as such. So I think it's a really difficult question. I, prefer, I like ability and I like people that can take on tactical information, but I think you need that balance. Hmm. It's quite noticeable, um, another question that came in said that it's quite noticeable the players we have kept available to us can use both feet quite well. When looking for players, will you make this a requirement and how much importance do you put on being able to play both-footed? Again, that's really position-specific. So you look at the way sometimes when we play with Tom James and Rob Hunt, we can mix them them up and playing right back or left back because both of them are two footed um, and then when we play Jaden at full back obviously you can only play left back so we we change the dynamics of the way that we're going to play I, d- I don't really like I know we've played Paul Smith in the last four or five games on the right but Paul Smith's opportunity to score have dried up obviously we get to the byline he puts balls in but we want Paul Smith to score goals as well so I do like inverted Wingers where they can come in and once they come in they've got that option to reverse pass to the fullback. They've got options to play off a front man, but then obviously they've got the option to come in on a stronger foot and, and have a player pass or or ultimately score a goal. So it, again it's different position. You're not gonna find League One, League Two players that are really, really good with both feet and have the physical aspects as well. So I think in, in Rob Hunt and Tom James we have two really, really good footballers and they're pretty you won't I don't think I can't think of any other players in league in league two this year that are really as two-footed as them I mean we go through the stats a lot and Tom James over the course of the season uses his left and right at least left and right foot roughly 50% of each so that's very very rare wow he can hit a ball as well which is always a bonus um also, we were asked a question that came in. Said, "Is there anything that Richie has noticed in the club, whether that's the owners, fans, or playing staff, where we've missed a trick this season? And what would Richie have done differently to rectify this in this upcoming season?" We, well, yeah, I think, we could have got no a lot more supporters in our stadium, but we need a bigger stadium if we're going to evolve. If we're going to grow, we need a bigger stadium. But I think that's a few years down the line. It's a lot of millions of pounds, so it's something that that Nigel and Kent are looking looking to. The training ground obviously is is okay. The environment's really, really good now. But if you want to evolve as a club, then you need your own training ground. 
it can attract youngsters, it can attract better footballers, especially if we want to be in a top six of League One, it's something that we need to do. We're competing with Charlton, who have a tremendous training ground, Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, all these all these clubs have really, really good infrastructure. So it's not something that we've missed a trick on. It's just something long-term we, we need to start thinking of. We, we tried to make it in terms of the day experience for the supporters to come. I think our home supporters this year have been absolutely tremendous. Can we make it better? Possibly, yeah. And we'll sit down this summer with Mark Devlin and we'll go through a few things and see what else we can we can do. I think the support over the last four or five home games, when we ask them to bring the scarves and we ask for the atmosphere, has been has been terrific. You know, the crew game was obviously sticks in my mind where the players responded and we got a really good win to get us over the line. Um, and again, we're open. We're open to suggestions. We, we're not. We're not as a management staff or as a or as a football staff saying that we know everything. We want the input from the supporters. So if supporters have idea, ideas, send them in. We're open to it. Awesome. Um, one question that came in said, at the beginning of the season, the poster thought one or two of the youngsters would break into the first team. Now, obviously, you've got a very strong uh, squad. Um, the likes of Obiero, Fish and Tanga obviously didn't break into our first team. Was there any reason why you didn't bring any of the youth players, more more of the youth players into the into the fold? I guess it's probably a self fulfilling answer, but but in terms of giving them opportunities for first team. No, I, listen. My remit this year was to get us in the top the top seven. So I have to pick a team every single week that wins a game. And when we when you have the start that we have, then the pressure is not on the top seven anymore. It's to win the league. So it's not a time for experiment experimenting we've done that in the Papa John's and do I think that the young lads took advantage of that I didn't you know Tanga needs one to find a position and needs mass huge huge improvement to get anywhere near Tom James and and Rob Hunt Zach Abirio is a talent we like him he'll probably get used more next year but again you look at our our wide players I don't see him as a holding midfield player so he's competing with with a George Moncur Obviously, he's not at that he's not at that level you get. Um, and then you look at Sonny Fish, you know he's, he he was competing with with Charlie Kelman, with Aaron Drinnen, and with Jaden Wareham when he was here. He's, they're just not on them level, so it's really really tough. The problem we have at our club is that the, the gap between under 18s and first team is too big. And what tends to happen is the games program is small because of the amount of fixtures that we have so they can either play for the under 18s which they're too good for that level so they're not getting much out of it we're not testing them but then they ain't playing for the first team they travel with the first team they have the same training schedule as the first team because we have to so for example the day before a game training's really light then we've obviously travel to a game they eat the same food but the training load is not as, as much. So they lose that rhythm and they lose that upward curve that we need the young players. Unless we get a B team, unless we get some kind of games programme for that 18-year-old lad, then it's really, really difficult for the, for the progression. Obviously, the, the, the Cat 1 academies are the, doing the 21s and that's a, that's a bridging gap between them two age group. Our club, you, you imagine picking players going from under-18 football to then playing in front of eight, 9,000 every week. Mm. It, the tempo, the intensity. I watch the youth team train a lot. Okay, the, the sessions are good, but the intensity is nowhere near our pitch. The, the lads come out and sometimes they struggle. Zach Aberio is the one, and Harrison Sodji is, is another 
that can handle that tempo. Some of the others are just not, not there yet. They need time. Good answer there, Rishi. Thanks for that one. We got a question um, saying, what is your ambition uh, and is there an ambition for you to manage in the Premier League at some point? Now, you seem a very confident manager, which, which obviously is not a bad thing whatsoever, but what, what is your ambition? Do you have a, a, a target and an ambition for, for Rishi Welland? Well, as soon as I haven't got an ambition, I'll quit. Yeah. Because you know, when you're a young footballer, you have you have aspirations to play at this level, to win, to play at certain stadiums, to win certain trophies. And then when you, when I got to thirty, I played till I was thirty-seven. But when I got to about thirty-five, that hunger had gone. You know, I nicked a couple more years in terms of earning a living and joint training, but I didn't have that drive anymore. Um, I didn't have that desire to go and compete. My body was giving up on me. And then you go in, you go from being a, a really, really old player to then a really, really young coach, stroke manager, and your drive comes back and your hunger and okay, what you, you set new targets. Um, of course, I set I set targets, and if I didn't do that, then I won't. You have to strive to be the best. I take great privilege in in going up against Mark Hughes today, you know, in in front of twenty odd thousand and and what Bradford could be and where they've been in the past and and Mark Hughes is coming out and saying they're champions, they deserve it, champions. They're the best team in the league. The way that the coach, this, that, the other, that gives me immense pride. Um, ambitions. I love working with lads that want to improve. There's been certain. You look at Harry Smith. You know, I, I like Harry Smith, and he's, I think he's a good character. But I didn't see a driven individual that wanted to get to where we wanted to get to, and he got left behind. So that's what I'm dealing with. I'm I'm working with young lads. You look at Idris. You look at Ed Turns, Paul Smith this year, Viggs. All these lads are driving to get to the next level. And when we get to the next level next year, we want to compete, and then we want to go up again. For me, any coach, any player, any manager. The aim, the aim has to be the Premier League. If you'd have said to Eddie Howe 10, 11 years ago when he was managing in League Two at Bournemouth, that he, what's your ambitions? He would have said the Premier League. Okay, is it achievable? It's really, really tough. But you look at Eddie, Eddie Howe now, and you can you can compare him to any foreign managers. He's just as good as them. He, at the end, at the end of the day, you need a certain budget. You need to work with certain players. For me, the, a poor manager is if you're given a big club in the league that you should be getting promoted if you've got a budget that you should be getting promoted and you don't achieve it then that's a poor job but again it's all relative to what club you're at what league you're at and what budget you're given Do you find it easy to relax or is your mind always football? No yeah it's always but I mean I'll have I'll have 10 I'll go away on a, next next week to, to Dubai for 10 days and I'll I'll try and be, I would like the lads to sign new contracts before going all day so I can turn my phone off <laughs> But it's, it's difficult and you have to obviously respect your family as well. You know, if I'm going on a holiday, I'm around the pool or whatever with, with my wife and kids, they don't want to see me on the phone every two minutes. You work, it's not, it's not. for example, at my home now, we've had a game. For me, I'm, I'm as I'm speaking to you now, this is work. You know, I'll, I'll be making phone calls tomorrow about certain players and you're always, you're always looking for certain games. You're always asking about certain players. You're always watching games. I think... If managers are not doing that, then they'll get found out because if you don't put the work in and you don't know the players, I know more or less every player in League Two. I know more or less every system that the managers play. We have a fantastic analyst in, in Joe and Charlie at the, at the club who are exactly the same. They've always got their head in a laptop looking at players, looking at systems, looking what might work for us. You know, and it's a privilege to work with them two lads. 
Um, but as soon as you stop working, as soon as you stop trying to get better, then this game, it's an horrible game. It comes back to haunt you. Mm. you. You think you've cracked it. You think you're on a forward trajectory. And as soon as you think, right, OK, I'm going to just take your foot off the pedal here. No, it comes back to haunt you. And then you put the foot back on the pedal again. From what you've said in sort of previous interviews, you've experienced, I guess, the good and the bad of, of being a football manager at, at certain clubs. Um, obviously, your name uh, naturally will attract attention uh, because of what you've done with Orient, taking them up as champions and the brand of football and the style of football that you play. Might there be a, a, a temptation that, that a club with a suitable budget higher up the pyramid than us could potentially turn your head this summer at all? Because obviously there's rumours abound, but you know until something actually happens, the sensible ones don't actually believe it. But I'd be remiss of us not to ask about your potential um you know suitors out there no i think that's just that's just natural you know when 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 managers do well like our players have done well there's going to be certain speculation and what you can't do is you can't read too much into it so i don't i don't speak to to lawrence every single day asking him what's happening or dan hat or paul smith what's happening what, what you have to just let it run its course and and we can have the biggest budget in the league and there'll be certain clubs that are in League One next year. You look at the likes of Charlton, you look at the likes of of Sunderland that have had numerous years in, in, in League One. But if the club's not run right and there's not good people that are aligned at the club, then it's really, really tough. The amount of clubs out there now that, you know, are good clubs and have big budgets, but, you know, the amount of points deductions, the amount of rumours about players not being paid... You know, a club down the road from me, Wigan, at the moment, they've had points and players not being paid. It's one thing we've got here, we've got a really good club. I work for a really good chairman. And the two clubs that I've worked for, sorry, I've worked for three. When I was at Oldham, my first 17 games, I worked for a good chairman in Simon Corner until we had a change of ownership. And then the two good chairmen that I've worked for is obviously Nigel and Lee Power at Swindon. And when I've had relationships with them, you know, it's brought success. So... Okay, there's big clubs out there, but if the relationship with the manager and the chairman isn't right, then it doesn't matter what you do, it's really, really hard to succeed. So the biggest thing that we've got at the moment is the relationship between myself and Nigel and um, and Kent is really, really good. And, and, and Ling is a massive part of that. He's a huge part of that because he's been in my position before. He knows exactly what it takes, but obviously he's on the other side in terms of his director of football and he manages things really well, really calm calm way about him doesn't get too excited doesn't get too down always very very level and professionally and everything that he does so listen, I'm not going to I'm not going to walk out of this situation when I have to also respect that Leighton Orient have given me a massive opportunity because I knew that my next job needed to go well I didn't think I was treated right not treated right but I was given a certain remit at Doncaster that my budget was bottom three and I was in the bottom three I still felt with a lot, the amount of injuries that I had I knew I would have kept them up I would just have to get through that injury crisis that we had so to be sacked like that it feels sometimes like hang on a minute we've agreed on this we knew this was happening you look at what the, the players that were signing and the, and the wages that we're paying we, we knew this was going to happen so I've got a lot for a lot. Of, I've got a lot to thank Martin for and, and Nigel and Kent and I don't think now I've learnt I've not learnt my mess message sorry my lesson in terms of jumping ship at Swindon because Covid situation meant that Swindon wasn't the club that I was managing it just totally changed you know and I'm not prepared to 
to just leave this club. What I, what would destroy me more is if I left Leighton Orient and and Leighton Orient continue to do well. Well, long may you still be an O, Richie. Yeah. Uh, so we obviously had a lot of listener questions. We've asked what we can. We've got two more questions to ask you, Richie. First up, when we had Paul Smith on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we asked him about his favourite three-course meal, and that seemed to get a lot of traction uh, to the point where he was served his favourite uh, three-course meal at the Starman Awards on Monday. So we're going to ask the same for you, Richie. So if you could have a perfect three-course meal of a starter, a main course, and a dessert, what would the Richie Wellings dream menu be? Well, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lad from a council estate in Manchester, so I'm, Matt Harold's palate is a lot more posher than mine. Matt Harold was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. So, <laughs> I mean, nice and simple, tomato soup, bread roll, loads of salt, steak and chips with peppercorn sauce and a little bit of ketchup and um, a chocolate cake with ice cream. Okay, Very right. simple. Nice yeah, a tomato soup, to be honest. Um and just finally, uh, again, thanks for, for your time here. Uh, just a message for the Leighton Orient fans. Now, obviously, the season's done and dusted. There's no more games. What would your sort of final message of the season be for Orient fans? No, and, and to be fair, sometimes when you when you get interviewed straight after the game and it's really rushed and you forget some some things, you know, it was actually in my mind to speak to Dave Victor today in the, in the press conference after the game that to thank the supporters for everything that they give us this year the journey that we've been on has been special I hope it I hope it stays with the young supporters for a long long time you know and the older supporters that have suffered for for years and years I'm just hope that we've obviously give you a season that you can remember you've enjoyed it all them long trips away I remember early on Barrow Carlisle um, you know we're putting the groundwork for what was to come later in the season you know, every single game, more or less this season, has been sold out at home. So we're thankful for, for them for supporting us, and we hope we've we've took you on a journey that that was special. And like I said, we'll we'll live long in the memory. So thanks very much indeed to Super Richie Wellens for giving up about half an hour of his Sunday yeah. evening. But as he says, it is work for him. So we are genuinely grateful uh, to him for giving up the time. And as always, thanks to Luke and the media team, uh, Tom and everybody for um, presenting us with the opportunity to, to put questions to them. And we're really sorry to everybody who asked really insightful questions. We just didn't have the time to get through uh, every single question. A lot of the questions were asked in different ways that we'd already asked. So if your question specifically yeah. wasn't asked, uh, it was asked at some point somewhere else. So thanks, Richie. Congratulations. You're our championship uh, winning manager. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything you've done uh, for us this season. Absolutely. As well as the team. Yeah. So AOB in one piece of sad AOB coming into us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers as we were saddened to learn that Brian Winston. OBE, former Orient chairman, so he was chairman between 1974 and 1982, sadly passed away. So we sent our condolences out to Brian's family uh, and friends. Very sad news yeah. reaching us at this moment in time. So let's move on then to the last eight days. We'll start off with last bank holiday Monday. That was Happy Monday, the 1st of May. Your Southland chums got suited and booted as it was time for the Supporters Club Startman Awards. Back by popular demand, the last one was pre-COVID. So we wow. were delighted to be back at the Prince Regent Hotel in Chigwell. And I have to say, what a tremendously well-run evening and night that was. I know how much hard work Linda and the team put into that and how much planning and thought went into that. It was a tremendous evening. 
Everyone was on super form, obviously elevated by the fact that we'd won promotion, yeah. obviously elevated further by the fact that we were promote, uh, promote, um, promoted as champions. So yeah, great, great evening. Our table was superb. Um, really delighted to be on the table with such great people. Uh, but we're going to quickly round up the uh, award ceremony part of the evening and tell you who won what in case you hadn't seen this. We certainly are. So first up, Community Player of the Season went to the young man, Jaden Sweeney. So well done on your award there, Jaden. Yeah, well done. And great to speak to you as well. I don't think you listen, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Young player of the season went to Noah Phillips. Yeah, well done, Noah. The E.T. Clay goal of the season. Many uh, nominations for this. Could have been Hardest a job. number of goals that went to Paul Smith. His amazing overhead kick against Doncaster Rovers. Well done to our best mate, Paul Smith. And well done to David Blitz, our friend, up on stage on the uh, yeah. half of E.T. Clay. See you in the uh, posh next year, <laughs> next David. Um, but also, it's probably one of the few seasons where there have been so many that yeah. could have been that could have been uh, players. Player of the season was Idris El Mazouni. Unsurprisingly, fo- well, he followed that up by also being named, and we spoke to Richie about it earlier as the manager's player of the season. So you can see how highly rated is Idris is not by just the fellow members yeah. of the squad, but by the manager yeah. and the management staff as well. Well done, Idris, for the reasons that Richie. Uh, mentioned earlier as well. Never fall in love with, an, uh, ah. with a lone player. Player of the season, such a hard choice. This is so many standouts. Lawrence Vigaru, well done to him. The Golden Glove award winning. Had a uh, superb, yeah. absolute superb season. Had, was having a great night as well. Lawrence seemed like he was having a great time. seemed to be enjoying time. the night, yes, absolutely. <laughs> a new award, the Dave Knight Award, was given to the Leighton Orient women. So I think there were four players from the women's team there. So well done to the women on a fantastic season for them. Yeah, the Rainbows Award uh, went to Robbie Minchin and Luke Lampbourne, a joint award. Yeah, well done, Robbie and Luke. The Leighton Orient Supporters Club Young Player of the Year was given to Jaden Sweeney, picking up his second uh, award of the Knights Award. And there to Jaden. Yeah, the Leighton Orient Supporters Club Away Player of the Season went to Jordan Brown. Yeah, who scored the last away goal of the, of season. the season. Yeah, yeah. well done, uh, Jordan. A great season for young Mr. Brown. And the Leighton Orient Supporters Club Merit Award went to Lawrence Vigri so Lawrence picking up another award on the evening yeah and finally the Leighton Orient Supporters Club star man went to our diminutive winger uh, Paul, our best mate Paul Smith great stuff so yeah like you said amazing evening uh, lots of funny stories Paul Smith was given chicken wings uh, for a starter and cheesecake for his dessert Although based... he didn't get the cheesecake I hit I, oh really I don't think he got the cheesecake oh well, let us know Paul based on his Orient Outlook podcast interview that was great Jaden Sweeney uh, like you said we spoke to Jaden for about 15-20 minutes yeah, outside lovely, boy. lovely young chap spoke to Shad Ogie who told me that um, obviously going back to the film that the club out of the families obviously he was in his film <laughs> he, was. he was told that that was for his aunt for a family video so he didn't know that was for the club so they his family told him and that's why he looks so unplussed because he thinks it's a family video <laughs> it's going on too so thank you for that <laughs> he Shad. looked really stunned it was like it was this really awkward look on his face yeah he thought it was a family video which is why he looked so unengaged with it because uh. he didn't realise it was the club great to meet Paul Terry great to catch up with Matt Harold. great to meet loads of players and you know get to yeah. tell them how grateful we are for this season Craig Clay as well Lovely chap. Good really to see nice. Craig again. There wasn't one bad apple in that in that bunch. And you can see why they've gelled so quickly. And you can see why Paul Smith's wife said, you know, you've finally found yeah. a dressing room that, that's great. And it really is hard to get 
good characters and not have bad apples, akin to like Russell Slade had built with the right personalities in that dressing room. And, and oh, all right, we didn't get promoted, but it was akin to that. Yeah, and Omar Beckles as well. I finally, I know why the players respect him so much. Like when you talk to Omar, he's got a way of like looking into your eyes and like going into your soul. Like he literally like took all of my spirits into his. Like he was just perplexing uh, when I spoke to him. That's perplexing. the right word. I was absolutely. No, perplexing, uh, it makes you kind of angry. No, he made me, I, I think Relaxing. I might be in love, slightly in love oh. with Omar Beckles, like the way he talks case. to you and the way he engages you, oh. I thought it was really special. So a great night, well done to everyone at the supporters club. I mean, they could have sold it out four or five times over, like loads yeah. of people wanted tickets who couldn't get hold I of think, them. I think they need a bigger venue next we year. We certainly do, yes. So that was a great night. So some sore heads on to Huey Tuesday, oh. the 2nd of May, but first thing in the morning, Richie Wellens was nominated for the League 2 Manager of the Month award. He was nominated alongside Dave Shannon of Stockport, Steve Evans of Stevenage and Ben Garner of Colchester. Wednesday the 3rd of May, our forthcoming opponents on the last day of the season, uh, obviously this is written at the time, Bradford City were in action and a win for them away at Crewe would give them a chance of automatic promotion if results were to go their way on Monday, i.e. today. After being 2-0 down, they did manage to get back into the game at 2-2 but conceded a late winner to lose the game 3-2 which meant that they would have to take at least a point against us to be certain of a playoff place and I think results around. Yeah, absolutely. So they had all to play for on this day, which we'll yeah. go through very shortly. Thursday, the 4th of May, May the 4th be with you. Absolutely. And I hope any Star Wars, Wars fans day, yeah. got picked up on that one. But a quiet day at the club, no news to report. Friday, the 5th of May, happy 31st birthday to Craig Clay. Yeah, hope he had a great one. It was also announced that Stevenage's Steve Evans had won the League to manager of the month for April. Yeah, and in other news, it was announced that EFL clubs have somehow unanimously approved a record domestic rights deal with broadcaster Sky Sports worth £935 over five years with over a 1,000 matches to be broadcast each season from the 2024-25 season, which is a record number of games for any football club football agreement so I'm sure more will be made of this in the upcoming months but it obviously doesn't affect anyone uh, this season. upcoming season yeah. 23, 24 but 24, 25 those Saturday 3 o'clock kickoffs that we love so much and those Tuesday 70, 45 kickoffs I expect a fairly large percentage of them being moved maybe a third maybe a quarter of the Orient games being moved depending on where we are and how we do next season for essentially foreign viewers of Sky Sports probably yeah. I, I I don't I I read the uh, thingy and it just doesn't make sense to me to be moving Saturday three o'clock games. Either show it at three o'clock and admit that that three p.m. thing is a nonsense, and just show those games because let's be honest, if someone lives miles and miles away from Orion, regardless of if they're home or or, or not, they're not going to go to that. Well, the fact that they're being at home, they're not going to go to it. If someone lives in Scotland or Wales or Cornwall, for example, what difference? Like you're not losing the club's not losing revenue because there's a blackout at three o'clock on a Saturday. So I think I read that some people said that there was just you know it wasn't a completely open competitive bidding process. I don't know the ins and outs of it all, yeah. but if the EFL or you know anything to go by from from previous, that's not a good deal for the fans. I imagine we'll hear more and more about this, like yeah, as this next season goes on as it becomes more and more of a reality uh, and I imagine the club are normally pretty good at putting out communications yeah. like that around it so we will see what happens with that one so Saturday the 6th of May believe it or not that was 17 years to the day that the O's were involved in one of the most unbelievable ends to a season as you'll all remember we went to Oxford 
and won the game 3-2 to get promoted and send mm. our lovely hosts down. And the O's up, managed by Martin Ling nonetheless, yep. which led to some very memorable scenes. Lots of great memories of the day. The tweets we always put out, or the social posts on that day, always get loads of engagement from ex-players, like John Mackey was all over it. Um, and just a great day all around, but 17 years ago. That's oh, mad, isn't Crazy. it? How long that, that's gone. Yeah, lovely, lovely memories. It's a shame to have relegated the club, but our priority was us, obviously. Absolutely. And integrity. Happy 25th birthday also uh, out on Saturday the 6th of May. Happy birthday to uh, O's forward Aaron Drynan who yeah. turned 25. Happy birthday Aaron. The academy were also in action for the final time this season as they hosted Premier League side Brentford and the O's took the lead in the 31st minute as Samuel did well to dig out across to Pegram at the back sticks whose low shot beat the keeper made it 1-0 which is how the first half ended and then one turned to two in the 77th minute as Quick thinking from a corner saw Pegram pick up Archibald whose header made it 2-0 which is how the game finished. Well done to the young. That was a great one against the Premier League youth setup. A very good Premier League youth setup as well. So no, absolutely fair play. Sunday the seventh of May, Lawrence Vigaru was named in the EFL team of the season. So well done, Loz. Absolutely. So that brings us on to today, Monday the eighth of May. And as you all know, the season ending fixture away to Bradford City. And before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 271 votes, a very, very tight vote with both lose and win coming up on the same percentage. So both coming in at 32% with the draw coming in at 36%. A very close one there. As always, thank you for all of your votes throughout the season in our pre-match Twitter polls. We'll look to continue that, I think, in the next season's pod. Yeah, absolutely right. So, the team was announced at 11.30 today. The final team of the season was Lawrence Vigor in goal, James, Beckles, Ogie and Hunt, with Brown, Elmazuni, Moncur and Sadia in midfield, with Smith and Drynan up top. Substitutes for this, Byrne, Happy, Sweeney, Clay, Archibald, Kelman and Satorio. Yeah, so that meant there were starts for Shadogi, Jordan Brown and Aaron Drynan as the O's made three changes with Darren Prattley and Jamie McCart both missing out in the final squad of the season. Bid of Lejande, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no Prattley, no Ed Turns. A bit surprised by that to be honest with you, but look, it's still a strong side with a strong bench as well. So for me... Um, yeah, look, it, it's a dead rubber game for us, but from an integrity perspective, from a minutes in legs perspective, people playing for contracts potentially for next season as well, yeah, it's an important thing. But I was a bit surprised not to see Turns and, um, and Prattley in the side, but I think Richie answered it before. It's about managing. Yeah, absolutely. Decent team for me. Yeah, enough to win it. Quite a few attacking options on the bench, obviously, with Archibald, Kelman, as the two. No Adam Thompson, probably tells you where he is in the pecking order. I think if he's available uh, and fit, I think Turns might be injured because he wasn't in, available against Stoke, uh, not Stoke, Stockport um, right. last week. But a decent team there and a team who are going to put up a fight against a team who, in Bradford, a host who've got a lot to play for. Yeah, absolutely. We had a few tweets that came in off the back of this. Billy Carroll GB said he thought Ogie was still suspended, so surprising to see him in the team. Yeah, one game ban he got for sending off against Mansfield. Their bets are late and never. It's a chance for Dryden to shine in the last match. I think it's Richie being very fair with fringe players. Hope get to see a bit happy and fear at some point. Wilco 300 said, glad to see Ogie in the side, but disappointed there's no youth team players deemed good enough for the bench. Thought that was a good answer there from Richie in his interview about why we've not seen as many yeah. youth team players. Yeah, absolutely. James O'Hagan said, it feels like a Right, show me why you should stay game for a few names. I can't shake the feeling. It may also be Clay's farewell if he comes on. 
Mile Endo 1950 said, unless injured, suggests that Prattley turns Sergeant and McCart may not be with us next season. We shall see. Lots of decisions to be made. I think um, the retain list that Richie spoke about, obviously, didn't speak about the retain list, but mentioned on Wednesday he's got meetings with the players. Yeah. Morecambe, first club, I think, to put theirs out. Morecambe have really put out their retain have list. They? Released loads of players. Cole Stockton released on a free transfer. Great forward. They're going to... Yeah. Teams don't hang up. about. Teams don't hang about. So um, they are. But people also, out that's fair to those players that clubs absolutely. know that they're available and they can go and get themselves a new contract. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Len Chin Chin One tweeted. I said, "Final match day. Let's finish the season in Championship O style. Time to play with freedom." So an early goal would be an advantage. Our midfield looks solid, and we have a strong bench. But Bradford will press hard for a win. So be prepared to defend well. And expected home support was over 20,000 fans. Come on, you O's. Yeah, so before kick-off, both teams laid a wreath prior to a minute's silence as we remembered those lost and impacted by the Valley Parade fire disaster as the game started in front of a record crowd with Bradford knowing a point would guarantee their playoff place against our League 2 champions. So yeah, the minute silence impeccably observed by both sets of fans. We've got a few tweets alluding to it, but a lot of Bradford fans saying what a good bunch the O's yeah. are and a lot of reciprocated feeling towards both clubs, uh, which is always, always lovely to see. So, game kicked off, fourth minute. Big save from Viggs as a corner from Clayton found Cook, or Andy Cook, who top goal scorer in League 2 by an absolute mile this season. Yeah. His looping header tipped onto the bar from the rebound. Critchlow put the ball inches wide. And his side only just made the playoffs. Absolutely. Just saying. I think All this argument for an out-and-out 20-30 goal a season striker, the 20-30 goal a season striker in our league... Plays for a team that made the Well, players. I think the problem there, I read in the build-up, is that their second league goal scorer is not even on double figures. Well, if he is, he's literally just made it into double figures. So apart from their one forward, yeah. who's been scoring for fun, no one else on the team can get a goal. Whereas at Orient, I think Smith it's is the spreading. highest at 11. And then you've got a few, one on eights nine, and, and a few nines. eights, and maybe a seven or so. So it's more spread out, yeah. Yeah, Idris El Mazzouni had a deflected shot in the seventh minute, which ended up being quite comfortably saved by Harry Lewis. Yeah, 40th minute, Idris got a booking as he brought down Jamie Walker, who threatened on the counter-attack, and then five minutes later, Beckles went into the book as he fouled Walker again, Walker being a foul a little bit there. Yeah, he was, and Idris picked up a yellow card for his efforts as well. 21 minutes on the clock now, Bradford went close as a quick free kick found Walker in the box, but his shot was hit into the side net. A bit of a let-off for us there, because we switched off a bit. Good stuff. A minute later, Bradford claimed for handball after the ball appeared to strike Ogie on the arm but the ref not interested way play on bit of a let off there because that had been a penalty I didn't put it was in the box but yeah it was in the box then okay. so that was lucky 23 minutes on the clock now Bradford had been growing into the game very nice passing move ended with Cook being fed in in a dangerous position and he falls Vigru into a diving save to his right so the host Good. coming yeah. at us yeah. yeah we were passing it around quite casually not casually but you know with, with some purpose but like not really much intent, and unless that's I'm misreading it. And we're passing it around and looking to move, but um, we'd held possession for a fair bit, obviously, as you know. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, but Bradford, Bradford tried to get back in the game. Yeah, half hour gone. Superb sliding tackle from Paul Smith, who prevented serious City threat after some good skill and build-up from the man again, Walker. Yeah, that was a great tackle to stop them there. Well read uh, on your defensive duties, Mr Smith. 39 minutes, then fast-forward nine minutes. Clayton did well to block Paul Smith's low hard cross out for a corner. Sadly, his corner was cleared as far as Tom James on the right. He found Jordan Brown just inside the box and he calmly stroked the ball into the far corner of the net to give the O's a 1-0 lead. Really Lovely nice. done. Good yeah. assist from Tom James and Jordan Brown took that like a established and experienced number nine. Yeah. Literally lovely finish from Jordan Brown. Well done there. It looked a bit of a scuff to me. 
Oh, um, really? Yeah, it looked a bit of a scuff, but I'm sure his intention was to do that. Um, so, yeah, look, not taking any shine off, off his goal this season. Yeah, lovely stuff. And, uh, yeah, just what we needed, really. I've only seen that once on Sky Sports News as soon as it went in. So, obviously, you might have the benefit of seeing it more times. I'll send, I'll send it to you. Then I did. Thank you very much. The lead didn't last long, though, as two minutes later, in the 43rd minute across from the left, was cleared only as far as Halliday, who took the ball on the volley. The ball took a wicked deflection. A beat Vigor diving to his left. The ball went to his right. And suddenly... One or I mean, yeah. sometimes the luck just goes against. That's right. It's nothing Vigor could have done there, and I think it was Beckles. Head. I don't think you can blame Beckles for getting his head no. in the way of it. No chance there. He struck the body goal. well. There's a good goal. Could like would Vigor have stopped it if it hadn't have been deflected? You just don't know. Probably, but it's a good goal. He struck it sweetly. Uh, no complaints there to be to be evens at this point in the game. Forty five minutes. Omar Beckles was lucky not to get a second yellow card. We've seen him get booked for this. Uh, after a high-footed challenge. Very uh, lucky there, Mr Beckles. Yeah. Very lucky. Nice one, ref. And three minutes of added time were played out. No further action to report. Referee blew up for half-time with the teams going in at one all, which at this point meant Bradford would accomplish their aim of getting into yeah. the playoffs. And he owes, well, nothing to play for really, but have another point on the board. Yeah, on their record points tally there. 22,576 wow. was the official attendance with 1,902 away fans packing out the away end. The biggest crowd that's appeared at Bradford since their Premier League match against Liverpool all those years ago. <laughs> or in a massive, mate. We're massive everywhere we go. Massive. Second half kicked off. No substitutions for the O's. So 51st minute, Paul Smith showed electric pace and precision. He beat his man on the right. His cross to the back stick was tucked behind for a corner. We sadly out waiting for the ball. From the corner, good routine. Saw the ball come to an unmarked George Monker who shot well over the bar. And two minutes later, we've got another corner, another routine. Found Tom James open. He scuffed his shot. Ended up coming to nothing. But good little uh, routines there. And Bradford called cold. Yeah. Just couldn't capitalise on them to take the opportunities. Which is a shame, but I love the fact... I mean, we'd like to score more from corners and set pieces, but that was um, it's good to see a really variety of, of pieces. And I'd like to see more of that next season uh, as well. I think when... Was it Danny Sender came in, our corner routines all those years ago? He, our corner routines improved and we looked to, to be a little bit more efficient with them. Well, they've got the, we've seen it's Simon Rice a number of times this season with a different coloured piece of paper, paper telling them what to yeah. do. Obviously, Beckles has got quite a few on his head from corner routines. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, 56 minutes now. All four corners of Valley Parade rose to remember the 56 lives that were lost 38 years ago. And again, I think that wasn't <laughs> planned. That was just something that just happened around the 56 minute. And mm. again, all Warrant fans are getting involved in that. And again, lots of tweets from Bradford fans after the game saying how good it was to see the Warrant fans join in with yeah. that. And respect as it that. should be. As well, absolutely. <clears throat> I think so. Carlisle were disrespectful to it last season. And they've got Carlisle in the playoffs now. Uh, oh yes, as it have. stands, so yes. a grudge game there. So <laughs> on the hour mark, the game is really starting to open up. Quick counter attack from the O's. George Monker drove forward. He got the ball to Andrianen. He cut the ball inside from the left. His shot was tipped wide by Harry Lewis. Decent save there, but fairly routine, I'd say. Sixty-two minutes. Then triple sub for the O's. As on came Charlie Kelman, Theo Archibald, and Jaden Sweeney. And off went Aaron Drynan, Kieran Sadlier and Tom James. Shows you the quality in the side. Yeah. Bringing on those three players. 67th minute in tight pressing from Bradford. Saw a loose pass from Jaden Sweeney. He gave away possession. And then a cross came in from the right following that. The ball fell to a ride Howell on the edge of the box. Who drilled a shot goalwards. Which was well saved by Vigaru at his near post. The crowd was starting to get well on top for Bradford. Uh, and you can tell they were well behind their team. Decent save there from Vigs. But again, one you'd expect him to make. Yes. Yeah, two minutes later. 
later, the O's went closer. Some nice build-up play saw Theo Archibald come in off the right. His low effort was spilled by Lewis. It hit Smith and was scrambled to safety by the hosts. Yeah, not bad there from Theo at all. 17th minute, then Dan Happy came on. He replaced Shad Ogie. Yeah, and in the 73rd minute, the final O's substitution is Craig Clay came on for Idris Elmazuni to cries of, we want you to stay, as Richie Wellens disappeared for a loop break. He did, he As did. You do, you he, absolutely. Sometimes. So 82nd minute in. Paul Smith won the O's a free kick in a dangerous position. Up step, surprisingly, Dan Happy. He took yeah. it well over. It wasn't a bad effort. It was a good effort. I mean, over the bar, keep had it covered, but not a bad one at all. I remember Happy took a few free kicks under jacket and we were a bit like, eh, what's going on? Yeah, but obviously he can strike a ball and I was obviously trusted by his teammates and the management to take a free kick in those situations. Absolutely. Um, 85 minutes, Bradford penalty appeals were correctly waved away by the referee. Yeah, I've seen him given though, it was like a miscontrol, I can't remember who miscontrolled it and one of the players nicked in on the edge of the box, stole the ball and went flying went down. Flat. Of course he seen did. them given before though, yeah. and again the referee was like not interested. He didn't get, it seemed, it appeared that he gave Bradford very little Good. in that game. It seems that the occasion <laughs> overwhelmed him, which was favourable to us. Brilliant. So four minutes of added time went up on the assistant referee's board. No further actions for Paul. And for the final time this season, the full-time whistle went to bring the match and our championship winning season to a close as the points were shared between the teams who both went off to celebrate with their own sets of fans. They so obviously did. Bradford accomplished what they wanted to accomplish we uh, celebrated the end of another amazing season. So Record I think points all. Ada Martin again doing the A, A, A with yeah. his fans behind the goal and to the side of the goal as yeah. well. So great to see that. So I guess the draw was the perfect result at the end of the day for both sides That's on an right. emotional day for Bradford City. Absolutely. And a decent right. performance as well. We'll talk about that. Yeah, it was a good game way. to be fair, wasn't it? Um, so Richie Wellington's interview is live up on social media, YouTube, that sort of thing. So uh, we obviously got his thoughts on the game earlier. Dave Victor asked, a couple of similar questions as well in fairness so uh, if you want to listen to that obviously you're welcome to uh, but we've got most of it covered from our chat with him earlier so the league table for the final time this season that means that we are obviously still champions nothing has changed there we have now played 46 we have won 26 of those 46 uh, my maths isn't quick good enough to do a quick percentage of that but it's at <laughs> least 60 60 Five, 70%. We've drawn 13, which means we haven't, we've only lost seven goal games this season. Seven in 46. Unbelievable stuff. We've got 91 points on the board. That is in the history books, as is our positive goal difference of plus 27. It is all consigned to the history books now. No one can take that away from us. Yeah, fewest goals conceded in the league. I looked at that before. Goal difference, we have been pipped goal difference. Stockport got a higher goal difference. Did they? Just than us. But 91 points, amazing. And like you said, only seven defeats in 46 games. Quite incredible. We mentioned it earlier, but congratulations to Lawrence Vigru, who was awarded the Golden Glove for this season. 24 clean sheets. Very, very nice work there, Vigs. Incredible work. And Paul mentioned him earlier. Just a massive thank you to Dave Victor uh, for sending over all the interviews this season. Been quite incredible. Well done to you, Matt, on another tremendous season. Great question. Of commentating on the live stream. So, bit of Lejande for the final time of season on a match. 
Your thoughts on Bradford City away? I thought it was a good game, to be honest with you. I thought we were dominant in possession at times. I thought Bradford had their spells of dominance as well, without kind of really being that piercing or punishing to either side. You know, we've mentioned uh, some of the chances that they had. You know, they were really looking to go for the juggler and get the win, but, you know, we were strong in defence. And even with the five changes that he made, it was still a solid performance. Um, I thought Brown looked really good and I thought he deserved the goal. He's been a standout player for us. I genuinely hope we sign him next season. I hope he's on board with it. I understand he's moved his girlfriend down with him um, to London or wherever he's living. Um, so it's a big commitment and I just hope that he stays and extends his time with us. He was interviewed post-match. He was the player done post-match. I don't know if you've seen it. No. He kind of implies... He speaks a lot about next season and talks about Orient at the same time as it. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's actually already done. Yeah. Like that's still what's already been done because it sounded like he was staying. He wasn't asked a question outright. But yeah. He was talking about a lot of pushing on about next season and spoke a lot about playing at bigger stadiums next season and pressure. And you got the kind of implication that it was already done without being kind of right. asked a question. I guess we'll see on that one. I mean, a few of them were saying it at the Star Man last week that they want to stay. Um, but obviously, you know, money talks. Like, like we said with Richie, you know, money does talk. Yeah. You know, a few hundred quid to a couple of thousand a, you know, a week can make a massive difference. There are some big clubs in League One Absolutely. Um, who can offer financials uh, that we can't. Um, I thought El Miz looked good. I thought Ogie looked good. He's so composed on the ball. It's actually quite scary for a young man, the composure that he's got at times. And I thought Dan Happy. I mean, Dan Happy is a solid 8 out of 10 for me in literally every game that he plays as a bare minimum. So, um, nice way to finish the season. One all draw at a decent club, a yeah. big club. Uh, good luck to Bradford in the playoffs. Clearly, you know, still a huge club if they're able to attract 20,000 uh, to a game, albeit they had something to play for, albeit it's the last game of the season, albeit the weather wasn't great and it was a bank holiday, but <laughs> they still had to turn up. Yep. They still had to turn up. Your thoughts? Yeah, f- like you, perfect game to end a perfect season, I think. Way at the biggest team in the league. For me, I felt like the season ended ages ago just because yeah. of Starman, the Championship Trophy, celebrating at Gillingham, celebrating after Crew, celebrating after Stockport. I feel like... I was like, oh, of course we've got another game left because it yeah. like it's so long ago. Which is very annoying, like, because normally, Leo, last normally game. we'll be celebrating tonight. Tonight would be the night where we've done it, the final game of the season. But mm. we've kind of, that's, I've already processed that, it's already out of my system. Mm. So today I was like, oh, of course we're playing Bradford City away. Mm. And because of the bank holiday in the earlier times, but like, oh, blimey. But yeah, decent point. We look good. We look good going forward. Like good, we look like a good footballing team. Bradford very complimentary. Their fans are. Richie alluded to it. Mark Q said we were deserved champions. A lot of fans saying we're the best team there this season. Uh, Brown took his goal well. Thought Viggs looked really good in goal again. I hopefully you know we're able to keep Viggs next season. I guess we'll talk about that now in the season finale. Smith looked dangerous every time we got the ball on the right hand side. Clearly mm-hmm. they were petrified off him. Monko I thought had a really good game. Again, maybe against a better quality team, upper echelons of League Two, and like Richie alluded to, League One, maybe that suit him more. We get a bit more time on the ball when he's not a bigger deal. You're not looking going right, George Monaco, you've got to watch him. Mm. He, might, he might be have a bit of a better, more impactful season. For me, I was sad to see Elmiz come off. I hope this isn't the last time we see Elmiz in an Orient shirt. I think there's going to be, um, you know, there's already rumours about Elmiz. If you on social media there's a big Ipswich account who's not one to be taken lightly they've got like 17,000 followers so obviously they have got some you know good sources there who say Derby are looking at him in Watford which I find personally hard to believe yeah, based on the size of their clubs but you never know but I was sad to see Omis come off been an amazing player again we'll recap Derby that Derby you could give some credibility to they're in League 1 Pos- next season they'll pay bigger money than us it's a question of whether he wants to relocate to that area or, oh, yeah. whether, or whether like we said on the podcast, on, on our interviews, like, you know, we are a really good option for people. Oh, okay, okay, we might not have the 
the financials that, that other clubs like Derby have, but what we do have is what other clubs don't have, which is the stability, the well-run, the open, the transparency, yeah. the involvement, the communal side of things, community side of things that we that we do really well um, that you don't get at other clubs because Derby have not long been out of administration or not long had their own Absolutely. Problems. So, takes your picks, you know. I, but completely understand that a player will move for a better contract somewhere else because it gives his family greater financial security which in, in any day and age is, is what's what's vital it's what we all get up and go to work for yeah so we will see on that one uh, and lastly yeah well done to large away following my 1900 on a bank holiday at half past 12 when we've already won the league Bradford, yeah. ridiculous amazing numbers and great to see more celebrations again been a bit spot for all those like now it's just like a bit of a that's, that's become the norm a little bit which is ridiculous because you see it after every game whereas next season you know We'll want our celebrations back, mm-hmm. and you know, great to sing champions and all the other uh, championship winning songs. That hopefully we still sing a bit towards the beginning of the next season. But obviously, a new season, yeah, new era, new dawn. So those were our views. As you'd expect, huge amount of feedback comes into us uh, at the full time whistle. So thanks to everyone who has sent anything over. And just because we read them does not mean we agree with him. We do, that's right. Orion Meat Pie kicks us off this week. He said, pleased with the performance and result. It's been an amazing season and we should be very proud of this team. Hashtag champions. Yeah, Rob JB, 1974. It's a brilliant finish by Brown for his goal. Enjoy the break before the hard work begins. Get those key players signed up. Avalon 262 said, great way to end the season. One all draw in front of the biggest crowd of the season. Best season in over 50 years, I'm proud. Yeah, chosen for once. It's sad to see the season end, but I love seeing them still fighting, still playing hard all the way to the end of the season. Would have loved to end on a win, but ending on a draw, knowing in a few months' time we'll be playing in League One is just fine. Up the mighty O's. Ryan Peanut said, can't wait for next season already. Lots of proper away days. Six years, two trophies. We have our club back. Lots of proper away days next season. It's going to be a season to remember, hopefully. Alan Reeves too. said an unforgettable season. Hope we get these out of contract play. Signed up nice and early now. Like tomorrow morning, (laughs) smiley face. We shall see, Alan. It could be Wednesday. Uh, Phil VT1 (laughs) said, what a season. I sense this is now a big moment for Richie as he sets out to build on his brilliant start at the O's. The new contract signed by existing team members plus new signings will determine what next season will look like. I suspect Richie is already hard at work. Yeah, LDP King said, very classy performance. And if we can get rid of a few deadwood players and add League One quality, we should have a decent season. Plenty of good away days in our club. It's finally back where it belongs and as double champions, thanks to our owners, players and fans. I'd like to know who he thinks the deadwood players are. Let, I, don't, I genuinely don't think we have deadwood players. Let us know, now. LDP. Give, oh, give us a DM or a tweet. It'll be interesting to see. Um, one or two loans that didn't work. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, uh, Richie J. Bourne said, Well taken goal by Jordan Brown. The season is over, and the heart says it will be a shame to see some players go, but head knows it needs to happen. Dan Alton, 2590, says, Please be turned up. Should have won the game in fairness and clearly were the better side. Brilliant pass, control, and finish for the goal. Wonderful season. Let the passing continue on and on and on. Ron Sampson, 15, said, This season will probably never be repeated. A fantastic team. 91 points, a season to go down in history. Fantastic stuff. Really was. Masters, James D, said some of the football we played was a delight to watch. Combinations and counter-attacks are great. Just lacked a clinical edge. Thought we handled the crowd well too. Moncur, superb in the first half. Lenin 4 said a fair result and one that satisfies everyone. Considering his lack of game time this season, I thought Ogie was outstanding. Good point. I think Ogie's been great I think every time I've seen him on the pitch this season, to be yeah. fair. Obviously got something against Mansfield, but I thought he won the ball. Like we said in last yeah. week's podcast, Paul Skinner, 
88. It's a good effort for a game with nothing to play for. Shame the season has come to an end, but already looking forward to the next one. Daniel underscore D44 said another great performance today with a draw flattering Bradford. Ogie was immense and Brown was superb, showing what strength and depth we've got. think this has been the best season I've seen in over 30 years of supporting and we're on our way to League One. We indeed, we are painting Orient in a good battle between two attack-minded sides and one atmosphere. Jordan Brown was more than due that goal and putting a complete shift. The biggest challenge is now coming up for the O's, retaining and reforming ahead of League One. Yeah, Orient underscore Ed said, a solid point to end an absolute dream season. I thought it was a good game today without there being too many clear-cut chances. Viggs was great as usual and let's hope we see him in an O shirt. Smith also had a good game. Have a great summer and see you next season up the O's. Yeah, see you back in the South Stand, Orient. Ed, LFC Teresa, who we've seen plenty of times, is in the South Stand. So Jordan Brown really deserved the goal. Had a few misses this season, so pleased for him that this one went in. I will miss watching this team play. But I trust Richie and Martin Ling, and I look so forward to next season. Up the champion winning goes. Uh, Wrecker Blue App said, My old flatmate supports Bradford, was annoyed with Beckles, the referee, El Miz, his own team, and Mark Hughes. Sounds like a pretty good game as far as Orient are concerned. Excellent season, which I don't think any of us could expect when we kicked off against Grimsby at home. Great tweet. Penultimate tweet for Bradford goes to Orient Boy. So social media has been the most fantastic read today. The number of Bradford fans saying how class our club is, the players, the football, management fans, etc. is unbelievable and just enhances the pride we should all have in our club. We have set yet another mega benchmark today. Great tweet. Yeah, absolutely. Guy Incognito said, what a season, what a club. Onwards and upwards we go. Thank you, Nigel and Kent. Thank you, Richie and Martin. Thank you to all the players and everyone involved in bringing pride, passion and belief back to our club. And thank you, Justin. Great tweet to great end tweet to on. End. Great final word. Thank you for all your tweets that come into us. Those were all tweets that came into Orient Outlook on Twitter. And let us know if you agree or you disagree with any of those that have been read out. You can do so by tweeting us at Orient Outlook. You can also email us at outlook.com or you can find us on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast. And just for your reference, if you're listening and own a business or any type of establishment, you can sponsor our social media channels if you like. Drop us a DM. We are very, very busy on match days as well as the Prediction League, as well as Hero of the Week as well. All up for grabs if you fancy. Drop us a DM and we'll see if we can get any agreements sorted. Absolutely. So Town and Country Harlow Prediction League update for the final time this season. We are going to uh, read this out and we are delighted with this. Covering London, Essex and Hertfordshire. Town and Country Harlow Estate Agents are run by two Orient season ticket holders and fans you probably know by now and with the podcast they've helped dozens of people move home the best bit is they do offer all Orient fans and staff a discount off their already competitive fees so if you're thinking of selling your property or if you're just curious to its value save yourself a few hundred quid keep it in the family probably even thousands um, give them a call 01279 or 07528 or you can contact them on Twitter at TNC Harlow or at Charlie underscore Paul yeah so a few correct predictions today so Spenno 011 Neil 33 Postman Pat 1965 Shrimpy underscore Boy Apostolus Andre 9 Floodgates Jules Wakely PM 31970 Paul R. Gregory Wings Mad LFC Teresa and Eastside Orient all predicted one all got three points. No one got the four points. So that means at the end of the season, the Prediction League ends as follows. Yes, so on 29 points, a very valiant effort from Ben Whitlock, 13, and at LOFC, well Teresa, so well done to you. 
uh, on 30 points, so just one point ahead on his own O's fan base. Yeah, so Mark has won before. I think he won the first season of doing it. So Mark getting Consistent. top three, getting Champions League, but not quite it. Consistent. Uh, 31 points, so just one point ahead. So two points separate four or five people there. Well done to Winged Mad. Yeah, well done, Alan. And the final one, the winner, the top of the tree, the champion at 40 points goes to... It goes to that tall O's fan. So well done to Ray. You've been incredibly uh, amazing with your predictions and consistency. We will drop you a DM with details of your prize and we will get sorted out. So one hour, 11 minutes, 38 seconds. Let's wrap this up with a fantasy football update. Stuart Coleman is top of the Orient Outlook podcast. Fantasy Football League is on 2,418 points. Head of Daniel Clark, who's in second place on 2,380 points. So although League 2 is finished, I think the Premier League's got, what, two weeks left, three weeks left? So there's still a lot of points to play for. I'm currently in 196th place out of 356 players. Made some shocking transfers I thought would do me good, but have done me very badly indeed. So positives and negatives of the last eight days, you could do positives. Okay then, so huge away following at Bradford. I mean, that's that's quite miraculous, really. And obviously, while we can still say it, we will... We are the champions. Yeah, love stuff. The only negative um, from us this week is that, unfortunately, the season is over. It's been an amazing season to be a part of. Like we said earlier, only seven defeats in 46 games, 91 points, 24 clean sheets, amazing goals that we look forward to speaking about in the next episode. So, Town & Country Harlow, Hero of the Week. So, no public poll tonight. I think we were both pretty unanimous um, with our decision of who to give it to. Yeah. Um, so I guess without further ado you're on Outlook Podcast Hero of the Week Super Richie Wellens so well done to our gaffer who takes the plaudits this week it could have gone to several people but we felt an award to our manager is apt as he was at the start of the show absolutely so next week's fixtures unfortunately the season is done and for the time being we have no fixtures to talk about so no more fixtures left yeah, so final sponsorship reminder. <laughs> Don't forget, get in touch with John and their fantastic team of experienced florists at Carol Langley Florist on 0208 529 4130 or get in contact with them via social media at Carol Langley. Carol has an E on the end, Carol Langley E4 or at Essex Biz. They're on Instagram, Carol Langley Florist, all one word, and search Carol Langley Florist on Facebook. So that is it. Thanks to everyone who's joined us for episode 321. A season to remember has come to a close for the O's with a one-all draw away at Bradford City in front of a huge away following. And as we saw, this wonderful group of players all on the pitch together for a final time, potentially. They are sure to be ins and outs at the club over the following weeks, but the squad and management team been superb and will remain in our memories for years to come. And we look forward to talking about them and reminiscing in our upcoming season finale absolutely as always if you're listening on itunes please subscribe we'd be grateful of a five-star rating and a review on whatever platform you get your podcast from if you're listening on soundcloud spotify tune in on stitcher add us to your favorites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them we're also on smart speakers just tell your alexa or whatever device you have to play the Orient outlook podcast and it will we're on the fan hub fan app as well so it couldn't be easier to listen to us and if you've got an older relative a loved one an orient chum someone who's recently bought a season ticket from another club who's a supporter of a prem club that's disillusioned i know people that have done that so pass the pod tell them about the podcast if they want to be kept in the loop of what's going on at orient the views the news the opinions everything pass the pod on 
Love it. So again, thank you to Richie Wellens, Super Richie Wellens for giving up half hour of his time on a Sunday evening. And again, thanks to Luke and Tom and the media team for getting that sorted. So we'll be back with the season review and our season finale, episode 322 next week. With all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.